Harris, the snapper. Huber will hold it. 52-yarder sweeps the leg. McPherson, he's got it. Cincinnati wins. They are going to the AFC Championship game for the first time since 1988. And that's five sacks for this defense in each of the last three games, and it's blocked. Up into the air and spinning inside the 10. Picked up and a touchdown. Stafford set up in the gun, left foot forward, leaning in to take the snap. Bounces, deals, deep down the right side. He's got Cup running down the hash marks. He reels it in at the 15. Cooper Cup has the catch, tackled at the 12. Puts it down in game-winning formation. Matt Gay, with four seconds on the clock, will attempt a 30-yard field goal from the left hash. Hits it with the right foot. Kick on its way. It is through. It is good. Matt Gay brings it home. Los Angeles will host the NFC Championship game next Sunday at SoFi Stadium. Down the middle. It's Hill in the open. Cuts it upfield. He might be gone. He is. Kansas City takes the lead with a minute to go from 64 incredible yards. Minus three with Dave Damashek. What a weekend. Now back to what brings us all together. How did you do on Wordle today? No, you know what? Let's not do that. Let's talk about the weekend that was. Welcome to Minus Three Sports fans. What a dandy of a divisional round weekend. Right there, you see why we said in advance of it, it's the best weekend in sports. Um, Easy to celebrate that now after going four for four in glorious watching experiences. Two for two against the number for Damashek. Eddie Spaghetti's there behind the glass. We have the voice of the Los Angeles Rams, J.B. Long coming your way, Maurice Jones, Drew, Maurice Jones Drew's best pal, sitting up there in the booth all season long for the last few years. In fact, you've heard him here on our show before. Looking forward to getting his thoughts on Matthew Stafford, the big-time throw, heroic. I don't know where to even begin here, Eddie Spaghetti, so I guess let's just jump into it by going, looking ahead, and then we'll look back here. Bengals. Chiefs, your AFC title game, the home team, KC, laying a touchdown, minus seven. Total on that one, 54 and a half. A bigger total than what you had in Bills, Chiefs, on Sunday. Then you have the Niners and Rams, obviously, round three. Everybody's talking about that. Everybody's talking about the fact that Shanny has owed Big Vay. That is a massive storyline, of course. The home team, the Rams. I guess we have to put an asterisk next to home team because the last time the Niners played in SoFi, It felt like they had more fans there. Kelly Stafford took to the airwaves in Los Angeles to complain about so many Niners fans getting into SoFi, and it does feel like the Rams are doing what I consider to be the noble thing, the right thing. They're trying to keep the tickets for all the locals, the people who are going to be cheering for the Rams, not the Niners. This will be a fun one to track over the days and hours and minutes leading up to kickoff in that NFC title game. Rams, though, giving a field goal minus three total on that one, 46 and a half. This will really put Eddie Spaghetti and everyone within the sound of my voice. My theory that I've established over the course of this pro football season, that the result will remain consistent when the same two teams play one another. That is to say, 
I, I mean, I guess this would sort of require me if I believe it to take the Niners to win in SoFi on Sunday and the Bengals to beat the Chiefs. The Bengals, of course, beat the Chiefs in a classic. Who told you that that was going to happen? Damashek, that's who. This time around, I have to meditate on it. I'm not going to give you my picks right now because I really am not sure of what they are. Um, but Eddie Spaghetti, your thoughts. Best, you're younger than I am. Easy, yeah, Easier for you to say it, but go ahead and say it anyway. Is that the best weekend of football you've ever experienced? It has to be. I mean, it was so good. You know, I, I've said on this podcast a bunch of times that I've been critical of the NFL um, this this year. And our, our good pal, Kevin Hench, clearly has been very critical uh, week in, week out, bashing on the referees. And they have, they've been abysmal this year. And I've said that, like, college ball to me was better this year. And, yes, it has a lot to do with my Giants stinking. And I guess Notre Dame was pretty good. So it was one of those things where this weekend, all, it, it, like, erased every bad memory of the NFL this year. And I was like, oh, this is why I actually love the NFL. This is why I work in sports because it was just so good i mean obviously starting with the first game Bengals titans and and having you know the the interception and the late second field goal the next game you go into lambo snowy lambo like rogers everyone's favorite villain like a punt block touchdown late second field. like that just one shouldn't awesome. have looked as good. by the way that one looked beautiful it, it had no business even being aesthetically pleasing because the the niners gold should have clashed with the packers uh mm-hmm. version of gold but that looked great and when the snow started yeah. falling yeah. and the and the, oh, it was it was heaven. And that reminds me, I said last week that we really should do. Everybody does power rankings, but everybody only does the top of them. We should really focus in on the bottom of power rankings. And I think that um, that, uh, you know, there are different ways you could go. Sean Hockley, who officiated oh. the, the, the early game on Sunday, who really, I mean, <laughs> yeah. showed up. Showed up the goat, Tom Brady. It was more important for for you to have one over on uh, on Tom, even there, Hockley. That was gross stuff. I think he would um, maybe deserve the bottom spot at the, the bottom of the the power rankings. But I'm going to give it to the Lions and Vikings. Shame the devil that that they dome their stadiums and deprive themselves of that home field advantage. The fans in the stands and us watching from home but first question for you eddie spaghetti do you think in fact that right now packers fans agree with that that it's great to be outside and that it's awesome that it snowed because a block punt maybe gets the attention and everything else but aaron Rodgers almost through the one thing that you can say about aaron Rodgers that leaves this uh, he could have. It could have been a little bit worse for him today. Is he just about threw a pick six a minute before that block punt that tied the game? Right. Uh, with I mean, if you told me it's number one, it's going to be snowing in Lambeau, and number two, the 49ers only score uh, score thirteen points. I'm going. Mm-hmm. They blew them out. Like the Packers scored thirty eight points, and it's a blowout win, and it's going to be a boring one. And I, I mean, I think the snow. And Rodgers just can't beat him. And he's 0-4 against a team that uh, he says that he's going to make them pay for not drafting him. And I, I was totally shocked by that. And uh, even in the first game, quickly going back, like I glossed over it too. Nine, Burrow sacked nine times, like 10 held three interceptions. Obviously, uh, Rodgers, we just talked about it, struggles with that team. And we want the, the Sunday games. And it's like, oh, this is happening again. This is the Falcons 2.0. The Rams are going to crumble. Brady's actually going to do it. Bloody lip and everything. We're going to have the, the iconic image from that game. Like you said, the fight with uh, Hockley Jr. there. And then – 
uh, you know, it ends. And then Stafford with a dynamite, he's nails that throw to Cooper Cup. I don't know what the Bucks are doing, like not putting double coverage on that guy or not having a safety way deep. They screwed up massively. And uh, and then we go to the and then I tweeted stupidly saying, well, we had three classics. So with this one's going to be the stinker, the one that everyone, you know, said was going to be the best game of the week and was going to be a real stinker because like just the law of averages. And then we have arguably the greatest NFL game of all time between Mahomes and the Chiefs and, and Allen and, and the Bills. 25 points in the last two minutes, uh, 13 seconds. I mean, less time than Dak took to, to do his scramble. Mahomes brought that team down in field goal range. And then obviously the overtime thing. And I'm not mad about the overtime rules. You should not let the, a team score a field goal in 13 seconds. Uh, they probably should have squibbed the kick or at least kicked it, you know, closer to the goal line. So they, they returned it and waste some clock, but an all time game. I mean, I'm wearing the Josh Allen jersey because I feel bad for him and talking about a team that's cursed. Maybe, maybe uh, the, the Sonic award. I feel like it should just be the Buffaloes forever now because I feel like they're, they're never going to win. And you got to start thinking like Josh Allen, like, is it going to get better than it is right now? Like Brian Dayball is gone. Like, He's going to be gone, and you have this current roster right now that's pretty good. I mean, real good uh, on paper. And you say, like, you know, he says about Mahomes going into this year. Will he ever have a better team? It's like, will Josh Allen ever have a better team? He was a truck, and he was throwing – cannons across the field and the only person arguably better than him in the entire world is number 15 on the other side of the field and it's just that was <laughs> all time all time a lot all of people it's funny because a lot of people are throwing their hands in the air today saying well if you don't have one of those two guys what chance do you possibly have to compete try not to be a prisoner of the moment everybody by the way joe burrow has a real shot of going into arrowhead this weekend and winning maybe too big a spot for that team collectively but what you saw when Tannehill, who is not a bum. I know it's easy, and we we established last week here the poop-the-bed potential for all the QBs in the playoffs and beyond and who's most likely to poop the bed and who is going to be the most resilient. Well, the answer is, first of all, Matthew Stafford. For all the questions about Matthew Stafford over the course of his career, it was not Matthew Stafford. It was everybody around him on that Rams team that just about handed that one over. That would have gone down as one of the most painful losses in the history of football. Um, I think the Bills one stinks, and I hate the cliche, as you know. Uh, no one deserved to lose this game and everything else. But this one really did feel like, did the Bills, in fact, even lose the game? They just didn't get the ball one more time, and this has led to uh, a debate about overtime rules. Let's uh, let's talk about that in a second here. But I think the more painful loss is the Packers. Josh Allen's coming back. I mean, that's it. That I think, right? That's it for the Packers. And if you are with Aaron Rodgers, and maybe then as a result, Devontae Adams too. And really, do you? If you're a Packers fan. Are you desperate now to the point that I've been making for the last few weeks and was mocked by Sal and everybody on Extra Points a week ago for saying, if you take away the Lombardi 11, 12 years ago from Rodgers, how desperate are Packers faithful to keep Aaron Rodgers forever if he's never won a ring there when this keeps happening in January? And once again, if you're Aaron Rodgers, if you're a Packers fan, you could say, yeah, they don't block the punt. We're still in, we're still hosting the NFC title game on Sunday. And that's true. But did he maintain? Clutch is one thing. Clutch is being better than what you are normally. That's, I think, I think that's myth. What I say about clutch is maintaining the performance when the stakes are biggest with what you did in October or September or November. That's what being clutch is. Aaron Rodgers is not clutch to the degree that he does not deliver the same regular season level performance 
when the stakes are higher. I get that the teams are better too, but as you just saw, Matthew Stafford back to the wall, about to blow, about to blow a game, an apocalyptic loss. Brady's going to sneak through. You could feel the energy across football America, unless you're a Brady wonk. You could feel being like, no way is this going to happen. He didn't even play well in this game, and the Bucs are still going to somehow survive this and get to the Super Bowl. And he made that throw. Like I say, one of the great throws, deep ball throws, given the stakes in the history of football, or at least that I've seen, I put it up there with Bradshaw's game winners in Super Bowl 10 and Super Bowl 13. The Kevin Hench hated Joe Namath throwing the deep ball to Don Maynard to send the Jets to the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 3, where they beat the Colts. I guess you put Russell Wilson in there sending the Seahawks to the Super Bowl against the Packers in 2014. I mean, it's a very short list of great throws that compare with that, uh, given the stakes. And as far as playoff games go, you know, I like to make my lists. My list is Chargers at Dolphins divisional round 81. It, I've always said is the best postseason game, my favorite game, unless it's the Cowboys and Niners, Joe Montana, the catch to, to Dwight Clark, also in 81. So when people hold up, this is the greatest playoff year ever consider 81 that had some juicy games as well but i think this is it i think it's those three games i think i think bills at chiefs resonates for all of time people still i do i wonder spaghetti i was thinking about people were hitting me up yesterday um because they know i love the last they, they i love the super bowl era people were saying you know is the greatest duel regular season or other was it ken o'brien versus dan marino well, this certainly Trump said. Are you aware of that Ken O'Brien Dan Marino shootout in the mid '80s? I was not born yet, so I've never never caught that one live. Oh, you never heard but, about that one? Yeah, that's no. a shootout back and forth uh, between those two teams. But I mean, like Staubach, Bradshaw in Super Bowl thirteen, um, Brady and Mahomes uh, in the AFC title game. What was that now? Three years ago, I guess. I mean, it's a very short list. Remarkable stuff we witnessed, and as we say, the three preceding games also dandies by by their own measure and let's go back there the poop the bed potential that we the guy we said who had the lowest potential for that was joe burrow ryan Tannehill. i don't know that he deserves to be hung out to dry for the titans failure there the ball gets deflected i don't think that was a great ball he threw that got picked certainly in that spot but as soon as he threw it i thought Burrow's going to make one play. They're going to have a shot to kick a field goal in regulation and avoid overtime here. That's how it went. Is it too much? Are you are you ready to say, oh yeah, come on? It's been a fun ride for the Bengals, twenty-one, but it ends here. Chiefs are going to are going to cover that seven. Or do you want to well, hold on to your pick? I'm not going to force you into making no, your pick right now. I mean, it's it's definitely quite hard right? after watching the what Mahomes did, what the Chiefs did. I mean, scoring like I mean, in 13 seconds, scoring that quickly, the, and the overtime, the minute the coin toss was their ball, like you knew they're going to go down the field and score the way they did. Um, and, and it seems like now, like people were complaining with the Chiefs not having like the good third option, the third weapon, but like all those guys, like Miko Harmon made plays, like Byron Pringle made plays, uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, and whoever they have running uh, the ball back there, it's McKinnon, like they're making plays. So everyone's working. Jeff Schwartz, our pal, put it on Twitter a bunch too. Like their O line is playing a lot better. Um, so I, it's hard to pick against the Chiefs right now. But what I will say in terms of like uh, Burrow and not pooping the bed, I mean, 
he got sacked nine times and the guy and like they still won like he wasn't most quarterbacks get hit brady you know he's a guy that everyone said if you hit brady he'll you'll throw him off his game because he doesn't trust the pocket like burrow just got slammed and he's like i'm still gonna stand here i'm gonna make their plays and the one thing that i'm thinking about that this bengals Chiefs game could get interesting is like the bills defense which was number one in the nfl just didn't play well at all and if that is if i was a buffalo bills fan i would not be upset over the um the coin toss i'd be upset that you had 13 seconds couldn't make a stop you, why are you rushing four men when you could have had more in coverage it just keep them in bounds and uh i don't know i i think the bills defense is a big big letdown and i know leslie frazier's getting uh interviews and whatnot but i think the Bengals' chance is like you're gonna have to just somehow force a turnover get a couple stops the bills couldn't do because like they were letting them score at will so i guess this game i get why the total what was it 54 and a half around there 56 and a half i get why it's going to be that high uh 54 and a half right now and they are they are getting seven like to me it's going to have to be a joe burrow shootout you're going to have to score five six touchdowns probably to be within this game because like no one's slowing on the chiefs yeah, I, I mean, you know, uh, on the money line right now, forced to make a pick. I'm I'm not going to go against Mahomes. Give me a couple of days to to figure it out, and let's see. You know, the the Honey Badger's availability. I assume he'll be out there, but you know, you see when you don't turn the ball over, and that's what you. That's why you you see gargantuan point totals in the sense the defense doesn't matter. If the QB is clean to the extent that he doesn't throw any. Uh, any picks along the way, you you get an all-time classic like that. I, I also feel like the takeaway, if you're overreacting, if you're a prisoner of the moment, is why would um, you ever, why, why would you devote high picks to getting defenders um, when clearly everything tilts towards surround your quarterback with weapons, protect him, keep him clean, and you can make deep playoff runs. And right now it's hard to argue against, except for the new knuckleball of this final four, which is the Niners, who I wonder if they were dependent, like I like I said uh, five, ten minutes ago, if that game's played in a dome, I, I assume, you know, Roger scratches out at least another touchdown somewhere along the way and we're having a different conversation. Um, but I happen to like the the elements involved in that. That should be a home field advantage for the Packers. A couple other things as we kind of pull back from all this. The overtime is what left people a lot, a lot of people unsatisfied in Arrowhead. They felt like the Bills. I mean, it's this, it's funny that the Chiefs suffered from this against the Patriots in that aforementioned title game three years ago, and now they benefit from it. My answer remains what I've always said. They should just do it like soccer, full 15 minutes. I get that. I think the reason they don't want to, and it's people go to like player safety, it's not fair to let them stay out under the field. I think that the league – likes overtime likes sudden death because it's exciting i think it's as simple as that it's fun to see a team get to celebrate that one moment like that um i think there would be plenty of juicy moments if the chiefs score a touchdown there and then you give the ball back to the bills with a chance to to um to keep it rolling even if it it's okay they got the ball once now you have to give the other team the ball back um i think people people like to throw their hands in there and they say like well, there's no fix for this. This is just as good as you're going to do. Like I say, if you just played out the full 15 minutes, no matter how much either team scores, I think that would solve it. And the concern about like, well, you can't just leave players out there forever. What if it goes to an eighth overtime? They would die. They're running into each other. Do you think that's going to happen based on what you just saw? Do you think neither team is going to score 
um, in, in pro football in 2021, it, it won't take more than 15 minutes almost ever for one or the other team to scratch out at least a field goal to win a game. Anyhow, how say you spaghetti on this emerging issue? I mean, I wouldn't change the overtime rules because like I was talking to some of my, my buddies about this. It's like, well, first of all, NFL teams don't score every possession. And I think the reason why they did score and kind of what I was saying before about the Bills defense was they, they were burnt out. Like they're the, the two teams in the NFL that probably would score at will were the ones playing in this game. And it just so happened the Chiefs won the toss over the Bills. But like, let's say any other three games that happened this weekend, if they went into overtime, it's not a, you know, if like the, especially like the game in Lambeau, if like the Packers and, and 49ers went into overtime, like, I would I undoubtedly think they would they would punt the ball multiple times before any team even like etched out even three points. So I am not that upset about it. Like it was just Mahomes was locked in. The Bill Stevens was gassed, which is another reason why I think that playing a full fifteen probably is sort of dangerous, or it would just be kind of lackluster because of how tired the players are. But I, I mean, like I knew Mahomes was going to score on that drive. Like at very the very least, they're getting three points. But um, I, I I'm not. It, it goes back to you had thirteen seconds, kick the ball by the goal line, drop like you know rush two guys drop everyone else keep them in bounds and the game would have been over and we would have been celebrating josh allen today saying like wow they could actually do it and and that's that's where the mess up is the rule is the rule they should have known that i get you know what by the way uh, i wrote down that the the should have squibbed it uh thing and everybody is on board with that but i will say about that how many times have we seen just to push back a little bit i'm not just trying to play devil's damashek here how many times over the years when that was more prevalent was with the squib kick that an up guy fields it clean and, and kind of runs it to, um, you know, even if he just falls down, they can get the ball at their own 40 ish. And then you're in trouble, especially against Mahomes. If, even if the clock runs there for a couple of seconds, it still is one throw for Mahomes to be in field goal range. I didn't think it was that much boobery, out of the bill sideline as much as it's been painted that way. And, and then in overtime, I think this is what happens in a vacuum. The, the defense that the bills threw out there on the plays that allowed them to get down the, or to get into field goal range um, look bad, but that's also the result of Tyree kill doing what he did the last time the chiefs had the ball. Right. I mean, we're kind of ignoring that, Tyree Kill catches a catches a not harmless pass, but an intermediate pass and houses it just runs past the defense. They were spooked by that potential. They didn't want that to happen. And that informed the defense they threw at them. And of course, then Kelsey is the other big weapon Mahomes has going for him. Ergo, you wound up with overtime. I I I I think that the Bills are the coaching staff is taking a little bit too much flack. Um and it's taking away. I know everybody is celebrating both Mahomes and Josh Allen today, but again, what an amazing performance when the home crowd is against you that Bills threw out there with the season hanging in the balance there, the stakes. I loved that Romo for all the talk about Brett Favre. I remember him talking about that or Peyton Manning talking about it. And I think Rogers has weighed in on this. When they say like, ah, legacy, that's fan talk. That's uh, that's what fans talk about. We don't care about that kind of stuff. We're here to play ball and all that kind of stuff. Incorrect. Lying is what it is. They they care deeply, these guys. They're competitors. You think they don't care about where they rank among their peers now and in eternity? Of course they do. What they resent is schnooks like me weighing in. That's how legacy works. It's based on the collective opinion 
of the guy, your deeds. You don't get to tell us what your legacy is. We'll let you know as we compare and contrast you with the other high-end quarterbacks of the era and all eras. And so where does that now leave us where, I mean, Josh Allen, at least he has, you know, uh, they do seem loaded up. Um, the division's going to get better, you would think, uh, in this offseason, the AFC East, but they're still well-positioned to be a factor in 2022. Doesn't doesn't mean they get back to that spot again to have an as good a shot because what emerges is, I don't know if the Bills would have been favored to beat the Rams if that were your Super Bowl, but I think they would be pretty close. And certainly the Bills would be favored to, to beat the Bengals. And so they have to look up today and think, man, we would have really had a great shot of the Lombardi if we just get by 15 and company. They knew that one going in. But where do we stand now on Aaron Rodgers, Eddie Spaghetti? I mean, where does he where how are we to categorize this guy? I mean, the for all the deeds, all the greatness, all the I'll still say unique skills that he has, despite what we saw out of Mahomes, Allen, Burrow, and otherwise, he still plays a little bit differently at his very best than anyone we've ever seen. And yet, point fingers in any other direction you want. I mean, he has he has that one ring from way hmm. back. How do we, how, how do you feel about Aaron Rodgers as he now? it would seem makes himself available for the market. Do you think people should move heaven and earth to get Aaron Rodgers at 39? Yeah, because he hmm. still had a great season. And I don't know, like I was, that was the big takeaway. The two, two of the biggest takeaways from the weekend for me were, well, one, I mean, you're giving them a pass, but I still think that the bills defensive thought process with those 13 seconds is, is miserable because again, you all had to do is just drop everyone, but two or three guys and you would have been fine anyway. The Rodgers probably, thing. No, probably right. I'm just offering that up because people yeah. have decided that that was an abysmal failure and I get it, but there are, but there are factors at play there that I'm just pointing out. I'm, I, I'm yeah. not trying to have it both yeah. ways, but I, I think there have been more egregious, horrible decisions made by a coaching staff than that. I don't necessarily think that that was such a boner that needs to live on for the rest of the time versus celebrating that all time duel we saw. But yeah, to to Rodgers, I mean, it's again a game that they they held him to thirteen points. It's snowing. Rodgers is used to the cold weather in the snow. The 49ers do not play in that environment, and uh, I'm sure the crowd was a a, a, a raucous ninety five to ninety eight percent Green Bay Packers fans there. Um, and you lose into a lose to a guy like in Jimmy G, who people wrote off and were like, oh, he's the weak spot on this 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 team. Like they drive the Trey Lance for a reason, and he's somehow in there making plays. And I was wondering, like, so if the if the 49ers lost the Cowboys. That would mean that the Rams would have been sent to Lambeau. And I wonder how that game would have played out with how poorly, the, how great the Rams played, how great Stafford looked, and how poorly the 49, uh, the Packers played. I wonder if the Rams would have just, like, you know, they would have blown them out. And it would have been funny now seeing if Brady actually would have beat the Cowboys and how this different, we look way differently right now. But I think my takeaway is that we as a uh, NFL media, and some people have been high in the 49ers, hench included, but I feel like this franchise is probably the best over. Like, I know they haven't won, but like really underrated or a top three, at least in terms of just like the amount of talent, what they get out of them and, and their, their scouting and they bringing these, these guys like, and I know last year they were full of injuries, but like they, they, they drafted Trey Lance didn't use them. They drafted like Trey Sermon pretty high, barely used them and they somehow get it done. And we're never counting them in. Like, we're not like, Oh, they don't have a star quarterback who's slinging it. Like we don't, we don't trust them. And they just get it done and like in terrible spots for them. And they somehow figure it out. I give them a ton of credit. And I've, I've been 
poo-pooing them. I've been picking against them. So I guess part of me should give more credit to this team because it's a well-built team by Lynch and company. And Shanahan, I know we were getting on him earlier in the year for his record and stuff, but he obviously knows how to call plays. Anyone could be his running back. He'll figure it out. They turned Debo Samuel into like this hybrid star. And he's getting the most out of Jimmy G, who at this point, if the Giants said, hey, we'll bring you in and we're going to have a competition between him and Daniel Jones, I would be more than thrilled with that because he's played uh, as well as you could really ask of a guy like him. But, uh, you know, Rodgers should go to another team. I think his time there is done. I think it's he's great in the regular season, so that'll position you well to get to the dance. That's what every team is going for. So I, I could see a scenario where there are teams that would say, like, hey, we have a pretty good roster. Let's do it. like someone like this. Like, I know the, the Titans owe Tannehill a, a bunch of money, but like, if the Titans ever in a position where they could swap out a guy like that for Rodgers, it's like, well, you're going to take Rodgers over a guy like Tannehill. Uh, I'm not sure where the rosters have that. Uh, like, the Vikings kind of make sense, but it's in division, so that's going to get strange. Like, well, I'll, let me uh, tell you, I, I like what you're like, thinking about. I like what you're thinking about here. One. Yeah, the the Titans are one of many examples of a team that overcommitted to a guy in Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill's fine. He's not the he's not the long term answer for your franchise, and we saw that. I don't want to hang it entirely on him though, but he's not on par with the QBs we saw in the other AFC divisional round game. Clearly, few are, but that's limiting for how far the Titans can possibly go. What I, I what I'm saying about Rodgers is I I hear you, but by the way. What my my desired result for him is, as good as he is and a factor, and if I root for an AFC team, I would, you know, presumably want him in the NFC. But for an objective fan, what you want, I think, is get him to the Broncos or the Raiders and get Russ to the other one and let those four QBs fight amongst themselves and beat each other up over the course of 17 games so the rest of us don't have to deal with them as much. But for real, if you put Rodgers in that division with her, but he's – Rodgers is smart enough to know probably I don't want to be in a division with Herbert and and Mahomes. I'm I'll I'll come in third place and that'll really dent me even further. I'll say what I keep saying. I don't want him in Pittsburgh and I've decided I don't want Russ in Pittsburgh either. I don't want one of these vets who's going to saddle them with a big contract and limit what they can do with the rest of the roster. No thank you. They do not need someone else's icon, the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's a Cleveland Browns type of thing. That's not a Steelers type of thing. I understand you're in a little more desperate straits there, Spaghetti, with, uh, with your storied franchise. I think Russ to New York makes a lot of sense. We'll have time for that conversation after the season, but man, I, I really, you know, I, I the Colts too. the Colts, Rogers of the Colts to me. Also, I like in a dome, good defense, good running game. The weapons aren't as high end as maybe some other squads, but that's another one that just popped in my head. I think actually could, that's that would be, call. yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, that it, it's, you know, as I say about Brady all the time, they say, you know, had he won this game on Sunday, people would be saying like, boy, Brady, I mean, he's just so lucky. And how does this keep happening? And he keeps all the breaks go his way. Part of what makes him a football genius is that he saw two years ago, hey, you know where I can win based on the pieces that exist down there? Tampa. Why Tampa Bay? You're going to go play for the Buccaneers in that weirdo uniform? It was a good spot for him. If Aaron Rodgers is that spot, those places exist for him in pro football. You know, it's I, I, I will continue to say that there are better spots for him for both sides. I know a lot of people are now 
getting over their skis about how the perfect spot for him and for the Steelers is for those two to get married together. I don't think the one who Aaron Rodgers is about to marry, Shailene Woodley, would probably see it uh, the same. Um, I'm going to stick by Denver there. Maybe Vegas, though, would make some sense there. Um, but again, that, these are these are the have not conversations, whether it's the Giants or really anybody else. Um, I do think your point, though, is is uh, about Jimmy G is right. I think it ultimately amounts to there's a little less pressure on him and probably on the team. They feel like this. They can convince themselves. Obviously, everybody tries to convince themselves. No one believes in us. Um, but that's in fact true for these Niners. They barely get into the playoffs. In a way, the Rams let them into the playoffs, and the Rams have been rewarded to this point by getting the Niners in because, to your point, otherwise the Rams would have been up in Lambeau or in some terrible spot for them. They got to play in SEC country in the divisional round. Now they get to play in the Dome. The problem is now they have to figure out how to beat the Niners, which they've never been able to do. Um, or at least uh, McVeigh hasn't figured out to how to beat his old pal Kyle Shanahan, and that's got to be a major factor too. But like I say, the bottom line is the curse of supposed is real, Eddie Spaghetti. Do you believe me now that when a spot is big, not all human beings are going to respond to the pressure of having to be the man, the guy who everything else is falling apart. The punch just got blocked and it's snowing and we're tied by a team we were supposed to blow out. All on me. I'm the man. No one would live in this town if it weren't for me. No free agents would ever come here if it weren't for me. I'm the man. I love playing ball. I will figure out all that stuff. And then you just about throw a pick six. You 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 just you meekly go out to the 49ers and Jimmy G takes the his team down the field for the game-winning field goal. Bad luck, Aaron Rodgers. And I don't know where it places you in history. And I can go against myself on this by saying circumstantially, yeah, the punt block doesn't happen. He's into the title game. Um, if it's frigid there, that would favor them against, let's say, the Rams, and he goes to the Super Bowl and wins it. But these are the things that the football gods decide, not us. These kinds of legacy things, as Tony Romo was touching on, whether you think it's fair or accurate or whatever, you all know. we all know in our head, in our guts, who deserves these rankings and they can get a little weird for you. The best example I always throw out is Peyton Manning, throw out that end of career one that he gets with the Broncos when the defense carries him. The difference between Peyton Manning being ahead of Dan Marino and a lot of people's all time QB hierarchy is Peyton Manning got the Super Bowl where he played Rex Grossman and won. not in a classic effort by Peyton Manning, by the way, but he beats Rex Grossman. That's his one. Dan Marino gets to a Super Bowl, plays Joe Montana and loses. So Peyton Manning is now inserted for all of time. A tick above Dan Marino for a lot of football experts. That Them's the breaks, you know? And and I think now you look at Rodgers, he got that one. Good thing he got that one because the conversation would be a lot darker around him now. But as it is, boy, weird offseason upcoming. And I, I, it's funny because I think you're probably right and I'm probably wrong. Um as we get away from what just happened there in the divisional round, it's just hard to ignore the last 11 years, even if it's not his fault, what's exactly happened. You have to, at some point, rise up and cover up the warts on the rest of your roster. If you're getting paid that kind of bank in a quarterback league, right? He's going to win an MVP and there's going to be franchises that are like, well, if we make this significant upgrade, cause it will be a significant upgrade to anywhere he goes, especially Denver. I mean, Denver, it's like, you're going from, 
C level quarterback play to a plus level quarterback play. And you already have a pretty good defense. A lot of good young players. there, really good receiving core, uh, good running back situation. I mean, that's a, that's a great spot. Like I know I said, the Colts. I said the, the, the Titans would make sense. Like just teams that have a good roster in place. And then you add a guy like that. And all of a sudden you're winning 11, 12 games. You're the number one C 13 games, but not, you know, and now there's seven, uh, eight, 17 game season. Um, you're not the number one seed. You're home for the playoffs. I know it didn't work out for the pack. If you want to say it's a weather thing or it's maybe just America, football America, really not valuing the 49ers. But I think it's still a no brainer. Like the whole Vax stuff will wear off a bit. I mean, he'll it'll quiet down. Then you, it'll, it'll be all about, wow, Rogers, a new uniform. Now, can he pull a Brady end of his career, win one? I think that's it's going to there's going to be multiple teams fighting for his services. I, that's, I, I, I tend to agree that you're right. I just, I guess my question is, is, is it worth it at this point? Because the, the results are kind of overwhelming um, with what I'm talking let's, about. Let, let's ask Bucks fans, was it worth it getting Tom Brady? I mean, it's like, of course it is. Like you want to, you're, you're a relevant team. You're winning Super Bowl. That's what it's all about. You got, I mean, the Rams are an example of a team really. Well, but my the, point is, my point is Brady went down there for one year and won the Super Bowl. Is there any evidence that Aaron Rodgers is going to do that? I mean, I, that he's, now that's, he's significantly younger. And I think he, and he, and if it depends on where he goes, like I'm not convinced that Denver will win one in, in the first year with him, but I think like maybe like, like I said, the Titans or the Colts are definitely better. I think even de- uh, uh, the Raiders are a better, a uh, better team that he has a better chance of winning with. Hmm. So I think it depends on where he picks that he could elevate that roster. Like the Bucks roster was pretty good uh, across the board and they, they did draft well um, with Brady there. But I, I think that, uh, you know, it depends where he picks, but I, I could see that team. He go the team he goes to will be in the playoffs. It will be a contender no matter what. Well, I don't know what you do if you're the bills. I think you just try to run it back best you can. Maybe try to upgrade the run game. They did that with the pass rush last offseason now they got to try to figure out how to get the ball out of Josh Allen's hands and still maintain an effective ground game I think if you're the Bucks, I guess you wait out Tom Brady and let him go to 45 which uh, and see if he wants to come back even then there's still a, a you know a nice roster top to bottom until Tom Brady falls on his face I think you have to give him every shot I think the Niners what's fascinating with them is that they didn't do it with Trey Lance at all. And so that presents as a decision, but they're still in the mix, obviously here And the Titans probably are feeling like, wow, we overcommitted to Ryan Tannehill, but there's not much we can do about it this off season. So we got to run it back in that direction, unless you try to draft a kid to apply pressure to 17 and see what you can do to move on from that. But these are the discussions that other teams are having, but Aaron Rodgers is the biggest one. Does Jordan love now slot in? Do you move on? If you're the Packers, I think it's best that you do move on from Rodgers, run it back with Jordan love, see what you can get from Rodgers Cause he still has great value on the open market to your point. And you know, from a rooting uh, from a rooting perspective, I think he goes to the Broncos. Let's get Jim Harbaugh to Vegas, and uh, and then that becomes immediately, by far and away, the most captivating division um, of of twenty twenty two, and perhaps of uh, of the decade, perhaps of the millennium. But there is the other side of the equation. The Rams live on. The Niners live on. Let's talk about all of it with the voice of the Rams, J.B. Long, right after this, Eddie Spaghetti. Like we say, those title games are here on Sunday to celebrate FanDuel is hooking new customers up with 30-1 to enhanced odds for either conference championship game. You bet five to win $150 on any team to win either conference championship game. We love FanDuel for any number of reasons. 
not the least of which is 30 to one enhanced odds. There's no better place to place your bet for the playoffs. Super Bowls coming up nigh to we only have three games left. Everybody make them count. Put a little something on them. This is why FanDuel is America's number one sports book, among the many reasons um, to do it. I mean, get in there. There are four teams. You can pick one that you really like here. I think there is one. I, 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 it's too early for me to start leaning in one direction. I'll talk myself into it and not be able to shake myself off of it, Eddie Spaghetti. Let's figure out where a guy who has been watching these Los Angeles Rams and has seen a fair bit of the 49ers stand, the voice of the Rams, J.B. Long. But first, a quick break. Okay, this ought to be good. He was eyewitness to it. And if you happen to be in your car or preferred to go a little more provincial um, versus Al Michaels in the national call, this is the move to make, not just, not just in the playoffs. Of course, you have to do this from preseason on. He sits alongside one of our very favorites of all time, Maurice Jones-Drew. He is the voice of the L.A. Rams. I don't know if you heard. Big one coming up for your gang this weekend, it's J.B. Long. What's happening, fellow? Well, by the way, also college, co- calling college basketball. As soon as this gets done, this football jazz gets over with, you'll still hear his voice calling uh, college basketball this season on Fox. How are you, J.B.? I guess I know how you are. Sheck slash Vince Ferragamo, it's great to catch up with you. Uh, I'm constantly bombarding you with the DMs trying to get on the show, and mm. all it took was a near historic collapse in Tampa Bay against Tom Brady to uh, solicit the invitation. So thank you for coughing it up. I'm happy to be here. Well, I'm a front runner. If, if nothing else, that's, that's what you need to know about me. You, I needed your team to achieve a certain stature before. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, what a pleasure it is to kibitz with you. And I guess first question is, you have any extra tickets? Cause I mean, I really, it'd be cool to get in there and watch that big one. This is a cool divisional rivalry and all that. That tells me that Maurice Jones-Drew has already turned you down. Now I'm getting mm. to your true motivations. <laughs> now, I do I do think that this is a great storyline. And the thing that I always say, I'm not trying to curry favor with you. The thing I always say to, to the cynics out there, I think we, we had this conversation probably three years ago even. L.A. as a sports town is not equivalent to Oklahoma City or even Las Vegas or somewhere that has not had a team. So if you drop one into those towns, they're going to sell out. Everybody's going to be rabid. Even if their heart hasn't quite caught up with it yet, they know that this is a good thing for the town and they have to support the new brand. L.A., you know, this is this is a more entrenched sports town. You have the Lakers and the Dodgers. And as you know, the Rams left. And so there were some raw feelings there and and all of that. It's going to take a minute for locals to vibe. And by the way, in a transient city that a lot of people want to live in, um, people bring their fandom with them. And so it's going to take a few minutes before the stadium is populated by either royal blue or powder blue depending on who the home team is on that uh, on that given day but it does set up in california the the san francisco versus los angeles rivalry and all that coming to a peak this is grand stuff eh no i agree with a lot of what you just put down there and as the father of two young boys myself i'm kind of living it through the long lens which i know is not the thing to do these days everyone wants it now and immediately and on the football field the rams want it now immediately right but you know, their friends, their peers uh, think what the Rams are doing right now is pretty cool. Uh, they love the 
logo and the uniform redesign and the vibrant colors and the personalities that the Rams mm -hmm. have brought in. And, uh, you know, hopefully it doesn't take 5, 10, 15, 20 years for those uh, individuals to turn into season ticket holders. But that demographic, it's going to take a minute, like you said. In the meantime, I think this group is compelling. I think they're captivating. They've been super entertaining. And there have been some really high moments, I think, at SoFi Stadium going back to week three and taking down Tom Brady and the defending Super Bowl champions in a raucous building full of celebrities and Rams fans alike. Um, I know the one against San Francisco in week 18 gets a lot of attention. Like you documented, one of the most rabid fan bases there is in the National Football League. And look at what they went and did in Dallas and Green Bay as well, much farther away from home. So good response by the Rams fans to come back that next week in the wild card against Arizona. That building was insane for the uh, first playoff win for Matthew Stafford. And look, it's a fascinating environment. You know what it was like at the Coliseum, too, going back to mm -hmm. games against you know the Kansas City Chiefs and, and plenty of other uh, incoming opposing franchises who had the entire calendar year to plan around their trip to Los Angeles. Just wait and see what the Super Bowl is going to be like if it's the Chiefs coming back to SoFi Stadium. I mean, yeah, I just think it. I, I, it's, it's distinctive. Um, and 10 years from now, it'll be a different story. And five years from now, I mean, obviously people kind of put that on LA, they're star, they're front, they're, like Damashek, they're all front runners. They need a, every town wants to see a winner. That's what lures more people wanting to spend their money to go to the stadium or otherwise. I do think, like I say, if Niners fans, this is going to be a fun storyline over these next few days. I'm sure you're going to get a lot of calls from some pals you have or otherwise up from the Bay Area trying to sneak into the stadium. It really is fun. And and like I say, kind of distinctly Los Angeles, in my opinion. And, uh, you know, from a practical football standpoint, the storyline of Shanahan owning McVay is juicy stuff. But let's. You mentioned that Buccaneers game and the Rams all from the minute they get Matthew Stafford, people start talking about like missing peace an upgrade from the, from the already pretty good Jared Goff to one of the best. And, um, but kind of 30,000 foot view of this season from the moment people take staff. Oh, they get Stafford. Oh, they're, they're a real contender uh, to come out of the NFC. And then they come out of the gate really well, but then there's that big swoon and Robert Woods gets hurt. And are they, are they mortgaging the future and they're bringing in Odell? What, give me your concern level. Did you think, boy, they're not going to get over the hump in a loaded playoff uh, uh, in a lo loaded playoffs here in 2021? Well, Shaq, it feels a little bit like the uh, market correction we're currently living through early in this week uh, leading into conference championship weekend. And if the Rams were a stock, I would have been snapping up a bunch of it in November because there was a pretty good mm -hmm. Thanksgiving discount. Now, there were issues there, and a lot of them bubbled up to the surface just in time, I think, for the Rams to address them, to fix them, and to forge a new identity. Um, and I think Sony Michelle warrants a mention there in terms of the more multiple offense that John McVay uh, deployed. Sony Michelle getting them on and ahead of schedule and allowing Matthew Stafford to kind of work through a season where a season of the season, a month of the season, where he was suddenly throwing as many touchdowns to the opposing team as to his own team. And that hurt. And it cost the Rams, you know, I think ultimately the chance to host a game like Tampa Bay, like they just played. But surprisingly, it didn't cost them a chance to win the toughest division in the National Football League, the West, as they rallied from down a couple of games in the standing and losing the tiebreaker to Arizona to overtake the Cardinals and eventually get to the top of the division. 
you know, I think all the moves, all the all-in moves have paid off swimmingly. I mean, this is exactly where they wanted to be. Von Miller is playing back to his, you know, Super Bowl MVP form when it matters most. Those reps against the likes of Tom Brady or what you envisioned in January when you traded more draft capital for his services. And I know you asked for kind of the 30,000-foot view, but I have to go laser-focused on really the game-winning throw that Matthew Stafford made on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And as I think about kind of the end of the Jared Goff era in Los Angeles, there was a day in Miami against Brian Flores and company, again, off of that same Belichick tree that gave the Rams a lot of problems during that era where the Dolphins just came after Jared Goff with zero, zero blitzes all day. And he didn't have the right answers to those questions. And not to say that was the breaking point, but it was certainly a, a mile marker on the way to the Matthew Stafford trade. Well, guess what play ultimately beats the box? It's Cooper Cup over the top for 44 yards on a zero blitz where he's willing to fade away and hold on to that ball just long enough to take the hit from Dominican Sue and put it up in the air and let the Triple Crown winner run underneath it. And I know this is a long-winded answer, but I'll kind of finish by saying the number one priority this offseason and the reason why they pulled the trigger on that trade was to get more explosive, was to get more vertical. And Cooper Cup alone had more explosive receptions than the entire Rams offense did last year. And so while he didn't have a postseason win to his credit until this playoff season, Matthew Stafford has uh, put together a couple of the most impressive receiving seasons in NFL history now with Megatron and Cooper Cup. He's kind of the through line there. I, you know, it also makes me think of the Super Bowl a couple of years ago where Goff, the Patriots, Flores and company really got in his head. And when he had, was it Brandon Cooks open at the back of the end zone and he was a tick late throw in that ball. And that's what I love. I love when a superstar, when everything, everyone on the sideline, the coaches, the fans watching at home, everyone knows this guy has to save us. And he does it. With that deep ball, that's one of, with the stakes and otherwise, that is one of the great deep ball throws in the history of pro football, or at least since I started watching it. And I've been watching it for longer than you have, uh, JB. So, yes, that was a remarkable play. Now, as we look ahead here, do you feel like, and I know people get upset about when I talk about this kind of stuff, that one game can make all the difference for a player, how he's regarded in every way. By the way, Tony Romo, on the broadcast in the second game on Sunday, did start talking about legacy. This defines how we perceive these guys for the decades and for eternity. Do you think Stafford gets himself a gold jacket with a victory against the Niners on Sunday? Easy peasy. Just getting to a Super Bowl, not necessarily winning it, but if he wins an NFC championship game, boy, I, I don't have good visibility on that to really make that decision. I think statistically he's in the conversation I don't know that just one rip with the Rams is going to do it, especially if he then doesn't subsequently cash in a home stadium opportunity to claim the ring. But look, at at 33, I think he's got a lot of runway left. Uh, One more year on this contract with the Rams. And so long as the partnership with Sean McVay continues and the Rams remain committed to winning in the present, and why wouldn't they with the likes of Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, among others, still in their prime like Cooper Cup? Uh, I don't think this is going to be the end of his story. I mean, in some ways, it's remarkable that this is just now the tail end of his first season, right? Um, so to say that he's a Hall of Famer with an NFC championship feels a little bit ambitious to me. But I do think that's part of the narrative of Matthew Stafford coming to Los Angeles to continue his career. Was he going to be able to make the jump from great to elite? I think there's an argument to be made that he has this season. Um 
But there's also that next wave of young quarterbacks behind him where he's kind of sandwiched between the golden era of quarterbacking. And you and I have had this conversation offline where he's behind a logjam of record-setting Hall of Famers who are just slightly older than him. And then, my goodness, this next wave is going to shatter everyone's record um, record books, including Stafford. So we'll see. Uh, it'll be interesting to see when he retires and when that window opens and what classmates he's matched up with, um, all for a much, much later date, because hopefully he plays into his 40s like the quarterback he just beat on Sunday. I, I don't know at what age for Matthew Stafford. I'm going to stop being surprised by it, but – it's weird that Aaron Rodgers is basically the same age as Roethlisberger and a little bit behind Rivers and Eli, and Matthew Stafford is half a decade or six years younger than Rodgers. It just doesn't that 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 doesn't uh, compute for me. But either way, I will say if he gets to the Super Bowl with where he's tracking statistically and kind of you know you have more significant stuff to worry about in the short term, but. Russell Wilson moves on from Seattle. Things get murky there. We'll see about the transition from Jimmy G to Trey Lance when that starts. And as far as that goes, do you suppose, I know you're not uh, probably kibitzing with John Lynch on a regular basis, but do you suppose (laughs) that, I was going to say win or lose for Jimmy G, I kind of think they have to now buy, you know, they have to keep him at 24 million next year based on this postseason. I know that it's funny because I tweeted it, after the game that for three hours, if you were on Twitter watching the the Niners and Packers game, all you saw was Jimmy G is keeping this team from victory. And then right at the end, it was like, oh, the other quarterback uh, maybe cost his team the game. And Jimmy G looks just fine by comparison here. Do you think Jimmy G, I don't feel like there's as much pressure on him in this game based on what he's done to this point. They almost have to bring him back in 22, right? Really? Kind of. I, I kind of feel the opposite. I, I feel like Garoppolo going back to Dallas in that playoff game or even week 18 at SoFi Stadium was preparing and almost acknowledging for his last game as a 49er. Mm. He's been able to push that horizon out week by week, but I wonder if in his eyes that's changed. Um, it certainly doesn't seem that way, and I was with you in terms of the Trey Lance moment. If it didn't come in the divisional round at Lambeau, when is it coming? Can't be this postseason unless by necessity, right? Yeah, well, that's why it's funny to think about. If you would if you would have fallen into a coma on September 1st and woke up right now, you'd be like, well, this isn't that big a surprise, right? I mean, Stafford, mm-hmm. we thought we thought this team had a real shot here. And Trey Lance, what a dynamite season, validating what, what Lynch and Shanahan wanted when they went and got him at number three. And it's Jimmy G, and Trey Lance has been a complete non-factor this season. It's kind of remarkable there. I do think it adds up to because of sort of the late run to get into the playoffs uh, by the Niners and the story was Kyler Murray for so long in the division and otherwise, forgive me for saying so, you know I have my curse of Sposta thing. And I do think Aaron Rodgers just got got by the curse of Sposta. When you have the Mm -hmm. extra gravity of being the team that's supposed to win or the guy who's supposed to do it, it's extra tough to overcome that. I do think the Rams definitely are the team that's supposed to win this one. Um, I, the odds makers have it close for what that matters, but there, there's a, a, a sort of a legacy at play here, more for Stafford and for McVay than there is the other way around. Do you see it that way? Well, let me touch on a couple of things. One would be Stafford's age, right? And 
I think your perception has to do with the fact that maybe Detroit years are different than Los Angeles years or elsewhere in the National Football League, right? The toll that he took over those dozen seasons as a line. Um, I do think there's an element, uh, if it plays out, of, you know, can you trade Jimmy Garoppolo without ever losing to the Los Angeles Rams? Like, are you going to trade mm-hmm. a 7-0 against the Rams' Jimmy Garoppolo? Maybe that's the best thing to do, and you have to stay forward thinking and go with the investment you've made in Lance. But I wonder how the folks up in the Bay Area would feel about that. I really would if, uh, if this season ended in the Super Bowl for San Francisco. And then there's this other fascinating element, Sheck, which is the Rams have allowed Garoppolo and Shanahan and the Niners in this era to continue. I mean, they had their shot multiple years going back. But just this year alone, week 10, I think the Niners were three and five. I mean, their season was on the verge and the Rams go to Levi's. And if they end it right there, you probably do see Trey Lance and you start to get into that transition mode. Hmm. They opened the door. The Niners took advantage to their credit. And then there they were uh, down 17, nothing at SoFi Stadium in week 18. And the Rams may have planted a little double agent in this NFC playoff field, right? Because even though they let the Niners in the back door of the playoff field, San Francisco then went and got Dallas and Green Bay and allowed the Rams to get back home for this NFC championship game, which was the plan all along. So uh, to your comment about <laughs> this, your comment. Careful what you wish for, because now it is the Niners. And like I say, Shandy has McVay. But that is fascinating. What if in of the last, what, three, four weeks of, of the NFL that – I think this is ultimately good for for the Rams, right? I mean, they got to go. I know they had to go through Tom Brady to do it, but they were, went to SEC country, and that suited Stafford and Odell and company more than going to Lambeau would. I mean, I guess the you know the the negative is now you have a team that's been a knuckleball for you the last couple of years in terms of coaching matchup and otherwise, right? Yeah, it, it isn't be careful what you wish for. Be careful who you invite to the party, right? Because hmm. the Rams let them in, and now it's their responsibility to escort them out. But uh, there's a reason why the Rams are are favored in this game. Uh, they had a better record than the San Francisco 49ers, and other than San Francisco, they were the better team. Now the question becomes, can you get over that hill, um, and can you take care of the team that's really had your number? It's a tough matchup with good reason. San Francisco is phenomenally talented on both sides of the football and their special team showed up at just the right moment. But check, I mean, if I were to ask you objectively, certainly this week, but even last week, who's the quarterback in the playoff field left that you want to go up against? Undoubtedly, undoubtedly okay. Jimmy G there's there, there, Yeah. There's no question, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not going to debate that point. There's nuance there though. Like I say about then who that shifts the pressure to, and we saw Rogers and I don't know how much you can attribute it to, uh, to the snow. I'm sure P, uh, uh, Rogers apologists will say that the conditions weren't suited to him. I, I I don't know about any of that. What I do want to talk to you about, though, before we move on, because all you ever hear players talk about is you say, what, what, what do you miss most? It's never what the fan would think it is. The final 90 seconds of that big game. And that it's always oh, it's it's the time on the plane. It's always it's always hanging out with the fellas after a mm. game. Talk, talk about the long flight from across football America from Florida to Southern California on Sunday night. What was it like on there? I couldn't tell you because unfortunately due to COVID protocols, uh, our good friend Maurice Jones, Drew and I are no longer on the team charter. No way! For ourselves in economy uh, with the rest of the uh, Rams fans who traveled very well to Tampa Bay. So it was a 4 a.m. Eastern wake up call and, uh, 
a direct flight from Tampa back to LAX this morning, actually. Oh, well, that stinks. I'm sorry to hear that. Um, and if you have a say, if, I don't know, Les Snead, I don't know who's going to call you, Cronky, somebody's going to call you and say, JB, you have an eye for fashion. What uniform should we wear on Sunday in this big game? What, what, which uh, Rams combo best suits them with a trip to the Super Bowl on the line? Well, the Royal and Soul, I think, looks the best, is the most traditional, is the fan favorite, and it's 2-0 and so far in the postseason, so why would you go away from it? That's exactly the correct answer. It doesn't matter at this point. If you, whatever, whichever one, even if you can't stand looking at it, what, what's done is done. They are pot I know you're a uniform that. matchup guy. Where mm-hmm. would San Francisco and Los Angeles wearing their traditional uniforms rank for you? This is good. I'm not a, I'm not keen on the soul. I think it's a little bit too fluorescent. But you know what? I, I will get into all that stuff at a later date. I, we, we, we don't have the time to, to indulge that kind of stuff. I appreciate the question. Um, and from a fan perspective, and, you know, I, I don't know. We, we've talked about this before. You do a dynamite job in the booth with Maurice where, you know, Los Angeles football fans are blessed that they get to listen to uh, Matt Money Smith and Daniel Jeremiah on the Chargers games and you and Maurice on the Rams games. And I was kind of hoping and thought there was a real shot that we would get L.A. V. L.A. two teams playing a home game at one. Given all these stakes here. Would you rather. Because it happened, what, three years ago in Minnesota, four or five years ago, whatever that was, where the Vikings had to win one game to then play a home game for the Super Bowl, and they lost it, and then they still had to host the Eagles in their hometown. That's worse. You don't want Niners fans coming (laughs) into L.A. for a week versus um, going to the Super Bowl but then losing, right? I mean, the better scenario is – but you always hear about that. Like, you don't want to get to the Super Bowl and lose it because that's the worst pain of all. The scenarios at least get to the Super Bowl and see what happens, correct? Of course. There is no alternative. I mean, this is where the entire 2021 offseason and regular season has pointed toward. This is a script that you could only write in Hollywood. And I honestly think that this is exactly what the L.A. San Francisco rivalry needed. Um, mm-hmm. It was moribund for a while, and not just on this end as the Rams look to rebuild their organization in Los Angeles, but it was pretty dormant there in Santa Clara for a bit. And I think to stoke the fires of Rams Niners, it's good for both. And this is not going to be the last chapter by any means, but this is the conclusion of at least a book in the series, I would say. The, the Shanahan-McVay eras have been building to this crescendo and it feels like no matter which way this game goes there are going to be some tectonic shifts this offseason so the Rams made their move and really the fly in the ointment has been Garoppolo and Debo and Bosa and Shanahan Uh, what better time than now if not now when I would say the NFC championship game at SoFi Oh, it's it's beautiful stuff. And step aside, we just saw them, what, four months ago, Giants and Dodgers playing postseason baseball. Mm-hmm. This really gooses things. No, uh, no Cal versus SoCal and all of that. The very last question I have for you, what is, if if uh, J.B. Long is contacted by Coach McVay, mm-hmm. what is, how do we get past the elephant in the room, which is, and, I, and I'm big on, consistent result between two teams over the last couple or few years and you know we'll see how that plays out the Bengals did beat the Chiefs but it was in Cincinnati um 
just what was that four or five weeks ago, and that was really the signature win for the Bengals coming down the stretch. The Niners do plainly have the Rams number here in this little mini era. How do the Rams overcome that emotionally, X and O wise and beyond? Well, I do think it's worth reminding everyone that the Rams were on top by three scores going into the half, right? And there were some moments that they would like back. Uh, maybe the way they finished that second quarter going into the break, uh, they capitalize and, and get another opportunity to score, or maybe um, they keep the Niners off the board. Uh, perhaps when you've got three downs to get a first down and ice it on offense as good as your defense had played, you play action pass instead of running it three times and taking the rest of the 49ers timeouts and you just try and move the sticks and win it right there and then in regulation. Um, if those opportunities present themselves again this weekend in the NFC Championship game, I would fully anticipate Sean McVay being the aggressor and, and mm. really trying to take matters into his own hands. Now, schematically, uh, if you can make Jimmy Garoppolo beat you outside the numbers with his arm, that would be ideal. Uh, if you look at his throwing chart, especially going back to that Week 10 game, it's all in breaking stuff. It's all inside of 15 yards, a little bit more multiple in the second meeting in Week 18, but still. Uh, I don't care if you have to put two or three or five people with inside leverage on Kittle. Don't let them cross your face. Don't let them get inside to work those hash marks like he just did to Green Bay as well. But easier said than done. And then what answer do you have for Debo Samuel? Is it Jalen Ramsey? Is it Aaron Donald? Is it Von Miller, Leonard Floyd, a combination of all the above? Uh, it's cliche, but you need to force someone else to beat you other than Debo Samuel. He has done it running the football receiving, and most recently throwing the football as well. Uh, he, as much as Garoppolo, has spoiled this season and really this tenure right now for the Rams up against the 49ers. So uh, it goes back to Aaron Donald, I think fairly, not referencing him by name, but rather by number, and it's kind of stewed into this good little head-to-head -head every time they get together. Believe me, Donald and all the Rams know exactly who Debo Samuel is. He's become one of the uh, strongest forces in the National Football League, and he's once again a big reason why the 49ers are still alive. Yeah, it, it doesn't uh, completely add up to me that the Niners are able to move the ball by doing those those mirror uh, out and in routes uh, up either hash to to uh, to Kittle and Debo constantly, and that they're clearly hard to cover up. It's worked all season long for them when those two guys are healthy for Jimmy G back there. Either way. JB, what a good time to kibitz with you. Happy for you and Maurice um, getting the, you know, being the uh, the main event, one of the two main events coming up this Sunday. Great job to this point in the season. Um, and uh, maybe we'll catch you on the other side of this one in front of a Super Bowl appearance. But let's not uh, count our chickens just yet. Sheck, I just want you to know that anytime a car cancels on you, David Carr, Derek Carr, John Carr, whoever it is, I am your backup. Perfect. I like I like I like the sound of that quite a bit. And and if and if you I just want you to know if some tickets do fall into your lap, you know, title game, Super Bowl, Damashek is here for you, too. Well, it's great to catch up with you and Eddie Spaghetti as well. Uh, I've missed, you know, touching base with you. It's been too long. So I'm glad that uh, Matt Gay delivered the game winner and gave me the opportunity. Short from 47 yards. Who does that? It's the 21st century. What is he, a head-on kicker now? He doesn't reach and ball me Tampa St. Pete? That was weird. But anyway, listen, this isn't the time for that kind of talk. 
Enjoy the game on Sunday. We appreciate the time, pal. 7, 10 a.m. If you happen to be in your car or otherwise driving around Los Angeles for this um, California v. California showdown for a trip to California in the Super Bowl two weeks later. Thanks, JB. Best wishes to the Minus 3 podcast. Boy, good stuff there. And really, I mean, that was fascinating that it was that one Jared Goff throw versus what Matthew Stafford did that's, you know, the like – where it started, how we're doing, or whatever that meme is that you see all the time. What is that? Is that a meme or is that a GIF, Eddie Spaghetti? I don't know. I don't a even gif, know. If a, a GIF has motion. A meme motion. is a still a still image. So yeah. So this is a right. So this is a meme. I got that correct. But that was a that was pretty keen. Um, the past and the present and perhaps the future for the Rams. Um, man, this this chase to get a ticket. By the way, are you going to try to go to the game? <laughs> well, I got lucky the wild card round versus the Cardinals where they were giving out tickets uh, to NFL uh, I guess employees uh, via the Rams, like $70 tickets. Uh, quick look in the sub and ticket match because I was going to see if you're going to ask that. Uh, right now, the cheapest ticket is about 800 after fees uh, to get in the building. And unfortunately, really? Yes. The cheapest ticket in the whole joint? Wow. Yeah. And unfortunately for the Rams fans, even though they're trying to implement the policy to sell to only people in the greater Los Angeles area, um, number one, a lot of the people that live in the greater Los Angeles area happen to be 49ers fans. And apparently a lot of Rams season ticket holders already are Niners fans as well. So I, I feel like it's going to be a pretty uh, – it's going to be a rather easy environment for Jimmy G and company. I'll, I'll just say that. Well, I mean, I just think that adds to the unique flavor for a, a title game. A trip to the Super Bowl awaits, and there probably are going to be as many uh, alleged visiting fans as there will be home fans. I do know, happy for everybody who follows Minus 3. I've heard from a fair amount of Niners fans and Rams fans. Muzzle tub to all of you in uh, what figures to be a duel. Same goes for the two AFC participants. I'm classy, you see. I root for another AFC North team. I call your team the Bungos, but it can't be denied. You got the real deal under center. Most important position there, and I do think you have a real chance of knocking off Mahomes and company. I know it's a title game, a trip to the Super Bowl, but man, that was an all-timer. It tends to be in sports history. There tends to be a little bit of a letdown after a game like that, so we'll see how that impacts the home team and Arrowhead, happy though for my Niners fans, Bald Brian and the Dutch Mook, uh, especially. Um, hope they can figure out how to get into the stadium for that one. And uh, we'll be back to chop it up on Thursday with Kevin Hench. I'm sure he'll bellyache about the officiating and uh, and a bunch of other stuff too. I don't know if he'll be happy or sad that Tom Brady went down without Belichick by his side. We'll get the we'll get the info on all that on Thursday. Until then, for Eddie Spaghetti and JB Long, thanks so much, sports fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven.